A number of years ago, Sarah and I took a trip to Denver to visit her dad. He had just been diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer, and we wanted to get some time with him. And while we were on this trip, we were also waiting for an important phone call. We had just finished a final interview with this church called Mountain View. Same one. So there was a general sense of uncertainty in the air about the future. And then on the second to last day of the trip, my wife woke me up early in the morning to show me a pregnancy test. I woke up, I looked at the pregnancy test, I looked up at Sarah, looked back down at the pregnancy test, looked up at Sarah, and I epically said, what? It was early. I slowly began to put together what was happening. And once I figured it out, I was very excited that that means pregnant, apparently. (laughs) The very next day, we got the call from Mountain View that we were going to get an offer to come and be the associate pastor. It was quite the trip. (laughs) We traveled to Denver only to discover that our bigger life journey was about to begin. Kids, pastoral ministry, what a journey it's been. This summer, we're starting a new sermon series in the Gospel of Luke called Summer Sojourn. And as I say it out loud just now, I'm realizing that it sounds a little bit like a romance novel. (laughs) But just don't worry about that. A sojourn is a trip or a journey, a temporary stay. It implies movement and progress. And Luke... The gospel we're going to be studying this summer has been called a travel narrative because Jesus is often depicted as on the move, traveling around. In Luke 9, we're told that Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, but he's not going to get there until Luke 19, 10 chapters later, Jesus is slowly making his way towards his destiny. Jesus is on a journey. In the book of Acts, which is Luke's second volume about the church, Christianity is often referred to as the way. Faith is a journey. Now, I don't really like trips. I'm a bit of a homebody. I don't know why 
touched my belly as I said that, but <laughs> traveling is traveling is stressful, right? Plus, I mean, Sarah and I have two small children, and when you are trapped, trapped with two small children in either a car or an airplane, friends, that is the very definition of torture. (laughs) Sometimes they just start screaming for fun. Traveling is uncomfortable. It's tiring. You have to be flexible for when things inevitably don't go as planned. But traveling can also be life-changing. Some of our most formative experiences happen in some kind of trip, a mission trip, a study abroad trip, a family reunion, a hiking or backpacking trip, a road trip where there is significant time to build a relationship in 10 hours in the car. You can cover a lot of topics. You can learn something new, meet someone new, discover beauty in places that you had never imagined. God wants you to think of your faith as a journey, because that's exactly what it is. Discovery, growth, setbacks, getting lost, being found, learning to travel together instead of traveling alone. Looking at our text this morning, Mary is about to embark upon an unprecedented journey. She is going to be the mother of Jesus. Can you imagine your child being the son of God, a child that would never sin? Be, like, fun, right? (laughs) Being a parent is fun too, but... uh... Mary goes from being an engaged teenager, her whole life ahead of her, and then the angel of the Lord shows up and says, you're going to have a baby. But I'm a virgin, Mary says. It doesn't matter, says the angel. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be holy, and he shall be called Son of God. Mary responds, here I am, a servant of the Lord. May it be as you say. In other words, sign me up. Mary hears that God is on the move. God is acting. God, the saving God, is on the move. And Mary says, I want to go for the ride. And Mary, one of the amazing things about Mary right at the beginning, when this is all starting to happen, what does she do? She prays, she worships. My soul magnifies the Lord. Mary is a woman of prayer. 
One of my favorite books is J.R.R. Tolkien's classic fantasy, The Hobbit. The story begins in the Shire with Bilbo Baggins, who is a hobbit. Hobbits are small folk with hairy feet, and they are highly suspicious of strangers, and they avoid adventures. One day, the wizard Gandalf shows up at Bilbo's house, and he wants Bilbo to go on an adventure. Gandalf wants Bilbo to join a group of dwarves to recover lost treasure taken by the dragon Smaug. Of course, Bilbo is hesitant. Adventures, after all, can make you late for dinner. But eventually, Gandalf persuades Bilbo to go on this adventure. And it's an incredible adventure. If you've read the book or seen like the 13 movies, it's an incredible adventure that changes Bilbo's life. But the story starts when Bilbo opens the door to Gandalf. He didn't have to open the door. He could have stayed inside his house and never gone anywhere at all. Prayer is opening the door to God. Letting God into your life. Prayer is listening to God, speaking to God, being led by God. If faith is a journey, prayer is the vehicle that gets us there. Meaning without prayer, you're going nowhere. Some of you may feel stuck. You might theoretically understand that faith is a journey. Sure, I get that, but you haven't moved in years. Or maybe you've taken a long lost detour. Prayer brings us back on the path, the way. It's time to open the door of your heart and sit with God. That's where the adventure starts. And as you pray, give thanks and remind yourself of what God has already done, what he's done in history, and what he's done in your life. If you look at Mary's prayer, it is filled with gratitude and references of God's past faithfulness. In verse 55, she names Abraham, remembering God's covenant. God was faithful to Abraham when God called Abraham on a journey. God tells Abraham in Genesis 12, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In verse 51, Mary says, God has shown the strength of his arm. This is actually an allusion to the Exodus event where God leads Israel on a journey toward freedom. 
Mary says, God's mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Do you see what Mary is doing in this prayer? This monumental event is about to happen in her life. It's about to change the world. And Mary stops and she declares that God is faithful. And she remembers all the times God has been faithful. You were faithful to Abraham. You were faithful to Moses. You've been faithful to Israel. And now, God, you are being faithful to me. Your servant, Mary, I can trust you. I can place my life into your hands. What a prayer. Sometimes worship is simply a matter of memory. Remembering what God has done. Remember Abraham, Joseph, Moses, all the times that God has saved us. When we take communion, we do this in remembrance of Christ. Do you remember what God has done for you? Take time every day to tell God thank you for what he's done in this world. This is a big part of worship and prayer, and it is the kind of daily practice that can change your life. The more you practice gratitude and prayer, the more you will find joy and strength and power for the journey ahead. A consistent theme that runs throughout Mary's prayer is salvation. She begins, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And this whole prayer ties together God's past acts of salvation, Abraham, Exodus, slavery, God's faithfulness from generation to generation. This prayer ties all that together with what God is now doing in Mary's life with Jesus Christ. Jesus is salvation. Mary recognizes that's what's happening here. There's really two kinds of salvation in the Bible. There's present salvation and future salvation. We often think of terms strictly with the future, heaven, eternity with Christ, and that is very important. But there's also numerous places in the Bible where salvation happens in the present, a miraculous win on the battlefield, being saved from an evil plot, healing being saved from a bad choice. In the Bible, salvation often means God just got you out of a mess. That ever happened to you? Have you ever been saved from a mess? Our first year in Marysville, we were living in a rental. Nora was just born and over a span of a few weeks, we slowly began to realize that our beautiful rental home had bedbugs. A couple of nights before we figured it out, I remember seeing like a bug crawling on the wall and saying, hey there, little guy. Look at you. Didn't think anything of it. And then as you slowly start to look under things and find uh, 
our entire house was infested. The exterminator kept referring to our home as a bloodbath, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is never good. And we had a new we had a we had a newborn baby. So Hal and Stephanie Clark came to our rescue. They invited us to stay in their home. Mind you, friends, we had bedbugs. <laughs> Gross. And they brought us <laughs> into their home for months. They saved us. They literally rescued us from a mess. And friends, when we call God Savior... It means that God delights in saving. God takes pleasure in helping you. He wants to do it. He is a rescuer. He is a savior. This is a central part of God's character. What does that mean? It means that God does not want to see you drown. It means that God does not want to see you you stuck. God wants to help because our God saves. If you're in a mess, remember that God wants to help you out. Doesn't want to abandon you. Doesn't want to leave you forsaken. If you're stuck, God wants to break you free. All of this because he has an amazing, incredible adventure that he wants you to experience here and now in your life. It's an adventure filled with ups and downs, joy and sorrow, pain and growth. But most of all, this is an adventure that is filled with companionship. The more you realize that God walks with you in the journey, the more you become aware of God's presence, the more you'll realize that this is a worry-free trip. And that's the secret. Realizing that God is faithful. And he's not going to take you to a place and leave you there but he's going to move forward with you to whatever is next. The journey is salvation, and God is a Savior. And because God is a Savior, we know in our hearts that the best is always yet to come. That's what salvation is all about. So in your faith journey... Where to next? Let's pray. God, you are faithful and personal, loving and kind. I pray, God, that you would remove all of the barriers and the things that keep us from you, from enjoying the adventure that you call us to. 
beckon us to you every day in prayer. Open the door to our heart. Come in and dine with us, O God, and may we be changed from it, inspired by it, renewed because of it. God, we pray that you would be our guide on this journey. And as we prepare our tithes and offerings, Lord, we ask that you would take these and receive them as an expression of our worship and our gratitude. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen.